Hello, and welcome to Behind the Headline, the Voices News podcast. My name is Annabella Hogue. I'm the Voices News Executive. And I'm Sarah Watson. I'm the Voices News Editor. And this is a podcast where we take a deeper look into our top stories and gain perspective from the writers themselves. Today, we are talking to Amory Kucha, the Voices Managing Editor, about her reporting on Indigenous studies at Georgetown. Amory has written two news commentaries about Indigenous representation and academics, or the lack of it, at Georgetown. So, Anne-Marie, what sparked your personal interest in this topic? Hey, thank you for having me. So the first thing I want to say um, is that I am non-native, I am white, and so a lot of the things I will be saying come from reporting, talking to indigenous people, um, but I don't want it to be, you know, that I'm not speaking for those communities at all, and I'm not part of that community. So I'm originally from Norman, Oklahoma, and for those of you who may not know a ton about, like, indigenous communities in the United States, there's a huge population of indigenous people in Oklahoma, and so... I, you know, I grew up around indigenous communities. It was a pretty yearly exercise that we would have cultural celebrations in school. Um, we would have like indigenous dancers. We would have opportunities to attend powwows, opportunities to go to reservations. A couple of my friends who are indigenous have been to reservations, get healthcare through Indian Health Service. And so I have like that personal connection. And then also as part of that in school, we learned about indigenous history alongside Oklahoma's history really is indigenous history and it's the history of the mistreatment of indigenous populations. So I've been learning about indigeneity for most of my life. And when I first came to Georgetown, I realized that was something that was really missing. And the former president of the Native American Student Council actually went to my high school. So he was a senior the year I was a freshman and I came and I talked to him about it. And I said, you know, like, I'm not Native, but this is something I noticed the moment I stepped on the campus. And he said, yeah, it's a huge problem here that there is a lack of Indigenous representation. So I've really been thinking about Indigeneity on Georgetown's campus ever since then. Thank you. And out of all the research that you've done, the interviews you've had with students at Georgetown, what has, what strikes you the most? What have you learned that you think is most significant? I think the thing that strikes me the most, and it's probably the most, one of the most important takeaways for students is just the amount of education that Indigenous students and faculty members have to do about who they are and what their culture is when they come to Georgetown's campus. Um, so there's only two Indigenous faculty members and the number of Indigenous students fluctuates and there's some complications with how it's counted, but there's really only like five members of NASC. And there are some more Indigenous students who are not Indigenous to the United States, but for, for that really small community on campus, which really you know amounts to about 20 people, for students who have not had interactions with Indigenous people before, or for students who did not learn about Indigenous cultures in school, this is like their first interaction with it. And so they have to do a lot of education about what Indigenous culture is and how, you know, tribes interact with the U.S. government, which is a really huge thing at Georgetown when we talk about government a lot, um, and how sovereignty works. And all of that is on top of the fact that they're also having to educate about instances of racism that they face, about instances of oppression on Georgetown's campus. You kind of have to understand where Indigenous people are coming from in order to understand why the campus isn't super inclusive for them and the uh, resources that the campus is lacking. You have to understand um, up until, you know, the summer, the Washington football team's old name, you have to, you know, you have to be aware of those things in order to understand what an oppressive location Georgetown can be for Indigenous students. And so I think that's that's the thing that has struck me the most is Tristan, who's currently the president of NASC, talking about how much education he felt like he had to do when he, he came to, he said he came to Georgetown and he was not planning on, he didn't want to be like the educator, but he felt like he was still forced into that role. So you've written two news commentaries 
about this issue and our news commentary section for those who haven't looked at them it's a little bit like our feature section but our writers kind of get a chance to talk about their own personal lives and their own personal connections so could you talk us through a little bit about just doing the news commentary process with this like kind of about your stories and who you're talking to and just the process of that and then also how it's been right about a topic that you feel so passionately about yeah, I knew the second, like when I decided I wanted to do some pieces on indigeneity at Georgetown, it's hard for me to do that. I mean, I think I think arguments that there should be more resources like can be objective because I think that like it just is objectively true that there aren't any resources. Um, but I think it's hard for me to approach them from like a fully objective standpoint in terms of writing, especially because I wanted to make sure that I was like with all of my writing uplifting the voices of indigenous students and indigenous scholars on campus. And I felt like that was easier to do when I could, you know, make it clear that my own opinion was supporting that work that they're doing and supporting their movements. And I also think one of, one of the values of this type of writing is that you can do more analysis and connect more ideas. And unfortunately, the nature of indigenous activism on campus is that it is so disparate because there are so few people um, and it hasn't really been institutionalized. So I think it's it was it was worthwhile to be able to sort of like connect put together some ideas because there aren't a ton of resources that already exist. I was really glad to be able to write about something that I was so passionate about because I think that because there are so few students on campus, which I'm gonna keep saying, but I think it's a point that needs to be driven home, it really like there is even more of an obligation on white allies to ensure that those voices are being heard. And so I was I was glad that this was one way through which I could do that. And for those listening, the names of these two commentaries, the first one is the name change, the forces keeping Native Americans out of Georgetown did not. And the other is make room Georgetown, indigenous studies needs a place in the academy. After writing these two news commentaries um, and doing a significant amount of research, conducting interviews with different students, why do you think it's important for all Georgetown students and the Georgetown community to know about? So the first thing, which is kind of the thesis of the second story, is that there isn't any formal way that students are educated about indigenous issues at Georgetown. So there's, as I say in the story, there's like one class about indigeneity this semester, which is pretty much the amount there is any semester. Um, it has 26 seats. So if you're not enrolled in that class, you're probably not learning about indigenous thought in a super formalized context. And then on top of that, you know, there aren't there's not a department, so there's no like centralized place that does programming. I talked to a couple professors who are members of an indigenous studies working group, which is a really great place that like centralizes academia, but it's not, you know, the same idea as you can go to the history department at any point and they're putting on a seminar, they're doing something talking about history at Georgetown, um, and that just doesn't exist for indigenous studies. And the other thing that I think is really important for students to be aware of is just by its own existence, how complicit Georgetown is in the ethnocide and genocide of indigenous people. First of all, obviously we are on the land of two indigenous tribes, and so we have to recognize that. But then in addition to that, Catholicism specifically has been really, really intertwined with the idea of Indian education, um, which has essentially stripped a lot of indigenous people of their culture because they were forced to go to boarding schools where they would be educated in you know, like U.S. ideas of thinking um, and out of their own culture. And it's been Catholicism that has been a driver of that. Andrew White, who is the namesake of White Gravener on campus, founded one of the first Indian boarding schools in the United States. And so I think if you're, you know, if you're on Georgetown's campus, if you're a member of this community, you have to understand 
that you're also a member of the communities who've perpetuated that oppression and genocide and just kind of take that into account and help help the institution reckon with that because that's not really something they've done at all. Thank you. That, that is very important history. So thanks for including that. Do you want to, you, you've talked a little bit about your news commentary, Make Room Georgetown Indigenous Studies Needs a Place in the Academy. Do you want to discuss at all your thesis or your opinion going into the news commentary, the name changed, the forces keeping Native Americans out of Georgetown did not? Yeah. So I think I, I, I'd been going into it thinking about just kind of the lack of understanding um, about indigenous culture on campus. And when I talked to Tristan, what I came away with is that there are, because what, what, I, what I went into thinking about was like the very overt instances of racism that you can see on campus and in DC, which the, the foremost kind of grounding one was the name of the Washington football team. What I, what I came away with was more of an idea of like how many covert forms of like racism and oppression um, indigenous students have to face on campus every day. And part of that is what I talked about with, you know, feeling the obligation to educate other students. Part of that is just like a real feeling of loneliness. For people who aren't super familiar with um, indigenous culture, there are like over 500 tribes in the United States. So just because you say, oh, we have 10 Native American students here, that doesn't mean that there's anyone who shares the same tribal history with you. That doesn't mean that there's anyone who shares the same culture, who can partake in the same practices and traditions. So it, it, it's a, it can be a really, really lonely experience for people who are the only member of their tribe here. And then on top of that, there just there's no real way that the university tries to make a space for indigenous culture. Um, they recently have allowed it was right before the pandemic started, um, but they recently did allow like a cultural space. But before that, there was no one thing, especially in a lot of Plains tribes, is like herb burning. And there was nowhere students could do that on campus. You're not allowed to do it in your dorm. And so there's just like a lot of things like that that add up to the university being a really unwelcoming place um, for Indigenous students a lot of the time. So clearly there's a lot of work that needs to be done at Georgetown to support this community. Do you have anything that you think non-Indigenous students and allies can do to kind of help support that community and push the university to be better in this in this regard? Yeah, so the first thing is that you don't have to be Indigenous to be a member of NASC. Anyone can go to NASC's meetings, to their events, um, to educate themselves. And NASC is really going, it, it should not be your obligation to educate anyone on campus. So they're going well far and beyond that obligation with the events that they put on. So I would say that is the first thing um, and probably the best way to sort of try to hear from Indigenous students themselves and the speakers they bring to campus about what that experience is like. Um, I think it's also pretty easy to kind of get a general idea of, you know, just the history of indigenous populations in relation to Catholicism, in relation to institutions of higher education. There's a great Atlantic piece that's linked in my second news commentary about it, but there's also just a ton of writing that's been done on the subject in terms of history. It's also, I would suggest looking at, there's a tool, I'm sure we can link it in the description, that allows you to see who's... Um, tribal lands you're on. Um, so the two, there's two for Georgetown, but I would also encourage you to do that for anywhere else significant in your life, including like where you say that you're from, just for that in terms of recognition. But I would, I would say the main thing is really becoming educated in terms of 
like who these populations even are, because that's something that our education system has been lacking in. Um, and then making sure you're, you know, uplifting those voices. In terms of specific things at Georgetown, NASC has like advocated for in the past, and I'm sure will again, creation of indigenous studies department, hiring of more indigenous faculty, ensuring that more indigenous students are admitted to Georgetown, which is something that we're really, really terrible at compared to most of our peer institutions. Potentially creating an indigenous student's cultural residence like we have for Black House and Casa Latina. That would be a place that indigenous students could gather. So all of all of those are things that students have called for in the past. And, you know, I would encourage students, if especially once we're back on campus, if there are, you know, movements and demonstrations in support of that to try to go. Well, thank you, Amory. Thank you for your time, your work, and your passion on this topic. It is very interesting to learn more about why you're interested in it, what other Georgetown students can do to support Indigenous academia and communities on campus, and just why it's so important that Georgetown do more um, to support Indigenous studies and students. So thank you so much for your time. If anyone is interested in reading more, you can find the two features, Make Room Georgetown, Indigenous Studies Needs a Place in the Academy, and the name change, The Forces Keeping Native Americans Out of Georgetown Did Not, on our website at the Georgetown Voice. Find these articles under our news commentary page under features, and we will see you next time on Behind the Headline, the Voice News Podcast. <laughs>